Welcome to the Glittering Bell Jar, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Valerie. And I'm Bree. We're two writers and Harry Potter fans. In this podcast, we explore the Harry Potter series by reading it backwards. As you might recall, Harry and his friends discover the power of the Glittering Bell Jar in the Department of Mysteries as it causes objects to move backward and forward through time. We're doing the same thing each week, working backwards through a few chapters, starting with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Ready to explore Harry Potter in a new way? Then join us in the Glittering Bell Jar. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Glittering Bell Jar. My name is Valerie. Hey, and I'm Bree. Hi, Bree. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm just so excited to talk. We've been we've been like pre-talking before the episode and just going to jump right into it. I know. Yeah, we're excited to be back with our fifth episode. I think that is so exciting. I'm so glad we're here and we have already had some listeners and some reviewers. So I'm very excited to be back and bring more content. Yeah. And I am glad that I am over COVID for the most part. So in between recording our (laughs) fourth episode and our fifth episode, I got COVID and thankfully it was a very mild case and I am recovered from COVID. So I am here. I hopefully you won't hear any sniffles or anything, but if my voice sounds weird, it's just that's life with post COVID, but nearly through all of it. Yeah. It's a doozy. Stay safe out there, people. Yeah, what's funny is the last episode last week, I actually thought I had COVID. Turns out I didn't have COVID. But then in the meantime, you got COVID, which yeah, I mean, yeah. not really we, funny, but it, like funny how life works. Yeah. And to be fair, we were going to the gym. Now we were wearing masks inside the gym, but it's winter mm-hmm. here in Ohio. It is miserable. I can't work out outside. So we'd been going to the gym, fully aware that there was a risk in doing that. My husband got it first. I got it about two days later. And we are both thankfully on the mend. In fact, our kitty got it. Our, one of our kitties got sick too. Um, and he, he's still recovering, but he's our old guy. And so it's like, oh, no. he's the oldest and we know it hits older members of every community mm. harder. And everyone's like, how do you know it's COVID? And I'm like, the timing is exactly the same. And he keeps sneezing and coughing and he has no appetite, which is exactly how I felt. So I assume that's what it is. <sighs> you know, it's funny. They actually have a vaccine for dogs now, I imagine for cats as well. A COVID vaccine. Good for them. I'm, I'm really glad that they are doing that because it is, it seems like it's pretty miserable for them too. Well, I'm glad you feel better. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. On to happier things. Yeah. Let's see. What do we need to cover? We need to cover how this works. So uh, for a reminder, if this is if you've never listened or you haven't listened in a while, we are reading the Harry Potter series backwards. We are currently reading Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and we are just moving, I'd say, into the second act, but moving backwards. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to cover two chapters. This might be a little bit shorter of an episode. And in each chapter, what happens is Brie gives us a synopsis, and then I read the last sentence of the chapter, and then we discuss the chapter, which is exactly how we read it. Yep. All right. Well, let's start with chapter 26, Gringotts. So this chapter begins at the Shell Cottage, where Harry, Hermione, and Ron are all planning to break into Bellatrix Lestrange vault at Gringotts. Takes us through the process of the big three attempting to break into the vaults to uh, get Helga Hufflepuff's cup, and their great escape on the back of a chained up dragon. Yeah, this is an action-packed episode. Episode, I say chapter is what I mean. (laughs) Uh, And here's the last sentence. It's a little bit of a long one. Stick with me. Okay. Goblins and wizards shrieked and ran for cover, and finally the dragon had room to stretch its wings. Turning its horned head toward the cool outside air it could smell beyond the entrance, it took off. And with Harry, Ron, and Hermione still clinging to its back, it forced its way through the metal doors, leaving them buckled and hanging from their hinges as it staggered into Diagon Alley and launched itself into the sky. Mm, What a good sentence. I know, and such good imagery. I think you can't help but imagine what that looks like when you're reading it. 
A hundred percent. I loved hearing you say it because I could just like close my eyes and just really picture it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know why I loved listening to the librarian read to me when I was in middle school, which I think we covered in the last episode, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Which is also why the audiobooks are so good. Yes, that is very true. So anything stand out to you in this chapter? Anything you want to cover right off the bat? Sure. Yeah. So in the beginning of the episode... Uh, episode seat. Now I'm doing it. The beginning of the chapter. <laughs> you know, we keep seeing it. I think we're just going to see it now more and more. How much humor is brought up in the chapters, that levity that you talked about. So the first thing is Harry wanting to tease Hermione about Bellatrix's wand because she's like, I do not like this wand. It feels like her. It feels dark. I don't feel like it's mine. And previously, Hermione had told Harry he just needed to practice more. And it wasn't the wand that it was him. And that he actually wanted to tease her. He chose now not to be the time, um, which is which is kind of interesting because I don't feel like not to compare, which I am going to the books and the movies, but you don't see that so much in the movies where if you're a book reader, you know that Hermione's a little more flawed than she comes out in the movies. And so I like to be reminded of this. Like she, she does have her moments where she's not, she is brilliant, of course, and clever, but she, she does make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, yeah, I, I love actually, pointing that out. I flagged that the very next page when Hermione kind of makes it very clear. It's a good thing Harry didn't start joking with her about it because this is the wand that tortured Neville, Neville's mom and dad and Mm. killed Sirius. And that I think is a detail that you might miss if you, if it hadn't been explicitly stated. I mean, I'm sure there are very wise Harry Potter fans who would have picked up on it, but I probably wouldn't have until reading it this way where we're picking up a lot more details than I ever have before. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, Very sad. And it was also kind of an Easter egg in that thought process uh, where Harry talks about you need to win the allegiance of the wand. So, you know, we know because we've been reading backwards that that is basically Voldemort's, uh, that that's his main mistake, right? Is that the wand was not allegiant to him. It, It was loyal to Harry. And so that was just like a little Easter egg just to kind of put it in your mind, like, okay, the wands are loyal to, to certain people. And there's, there's rules and things you have to do to win that loyalty. And I love that she kind of gave us that. Yeah, it's a very interesting way to explain some of the magic that we haven't quite understood Mm -hmm. or hasn't seemed very important. It's very Mm -hmm. important wands and how wands get along with wizards. This whole book is full of that. And it's it's pretty interesting to get a little bit of foreshadowing about how important it really is. Oh, and actually, speaking of wands, would you like to tell everyone your your wand for our Gilderoy Lockhart quiz? Oh, yeah. Let's do it right off the top right here. Um, So (laughs) friendly reminder, if you're listening at the end of the season, we're going to do a Gilderoy Lockhart style quiz all about ourselves. And the person (laughs) who gets the most right answers is going to win a prize. And I don't know what we're going to do if there's a tie because some of you are smarty pants and pay attention that well. However, Mm. uh, we'll figure that out when we get there. If we have to do more than one prize, we'll do more than one prize. So for me this week, uh, we're going to talk about our wand. So my wand, which is still right in front of me, uh, I don't remember what the length is, but it's hazel. And it's dragon heart string. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, what's your so, one? Uh, yeah, mine is dogwood wood with a phoenix feather core, which I just love that. Um, and it's 10 and three quarter inch. It's oh, nice. Flexibility is what it said. Yeah. Cool. And uh, dogwood is perfect for you because you love dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's easy to remember. Mine is hazel. <laughs> I remember going into... Ollivander's and and my wand choosing me out of the, you know, if you've ever been at the Wizarding World, it's like this huge store packed to the gills with boxes, just like in the movies. And Mm -hmm. um, I went over to the section that was like not 
traditional wands. And I didn't want a character wand. I just knew I wanted my own wand. And this one's hazel and my eyes are hazel. And it just sort of jumped out at me. And I was like, oh, I guess that's my wand. And I like picked it off the shelf. And there it was. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there jumping back into the chapter, yes. we've been talking about wands. Anything else about wands or other magical objects that were interesting to you in this chapter? Hmm. Magical objects. You know, I did notice the glass fragment that Harry kept in his his pouch. And I don't remember at what point he got rid of that. Do you? We, we've, ar- we've obviously read it. But um, yeah, I found it interesting that he actually kept that. And I'm, what happened to it? So that's interesting now that you say it. I don't know that he gets rid of it. Hmm. We both read the rest of the book. <laughs> yeah. um, I think he just keeps the pouch from Hagrid and all the objects in it because he takes out his phoenix feather wand at the end of the book and repairs it. And that was also in the pouch. Mm. So I think he just had it okay. with him. That's my guess. Mm, how cool. Yeah. Okay. What about you? That's a good one. Yeah. That's one that I picked out. I, let's see what else I have. Gosh, I have a lot of stuff about like magic and spells in this one too. So I'll jump over to spells. So the one that got me was the opening of Diagon Alley, which I did not pull up what it was described as in the first book, but it's pretty interesting how it's described in this book because it's described the way it looks in the movies. Oh, I think it's interesting if, if how they portrayed it in the movies influenced her way of writing about it. In fact, I'm, I'm looking right now. I've got my copy of Sorcerer's Stone open and I'm trying to see if uh, if it's mentioned because I don't think it's like the bricks begin to whirl and spin. I don't think she describes it that way the first time. Let's see. Huh. Oh yeah, here it is. The brick. So this is from Sorcerer's Stone chapter Diagon Alley chapter five. The brick Hagrid had touched quivered. It wriggled and in the middle, a small hole appeared. It grew wider and wider. A second later, they were facing an archway. So it is a very different description than how she describes mm. it in Deathly Hollows. Anyway, I just thought huh. that was interesting. I, I meant to look it up before, but luckily my books are literally within arm's reach so I can do that <laughs> when we're recording and nobody nobody has to hear me walk over to the other room to get my books. Yes, that is very cool. Good catch. Oh, another thing I found really interesting is that Hermione can transfigure people's appearances. Why aren't they doing that all the time? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's valid. I don't know. If they've huh. been on the run, they could, they literally could have not been on the run and just been transfigured to look like other people, right? I mean, theoretically, like they don't have identity mm-hmm. papers or whatever, but they could have, I don't know. It just seemed like a a potential opening in the story. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, if you can transform Ron to not look like himself, why don't they just do right. that instead of camping all over England? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a valid point. Um, maybe it's uncomfortable or it takes quite a bit of magic and drains her or something or... That's true. Or it doesn't last. Maybe it's kind of like Polyjuice Potion. Yeah. The other thing I caught was Harry casting another unforgivable curse many times. I think maybe the Ministry of Magic just has to be like, anything that happened during this time period, we're not going to count it against you. (laughs) So I did some digging because I found it interesting that he used the Imperious Curse. So I believe it's the Harry Potter wiki. I did some digging in um, the Harry Potter wiki. Uh, basically, so the Imperius Curse first, it was invented during the early Middle Ages by dark wizards, which is, of course, presumably used for coercion and brainwashing of others into slavery, right? That makes sense. Um, once the Wizards Council turned into the Ministry of Magic, they outlawed it. And the Imperius Curse, which we know, was one way how Lucius and all the other Death Eaters were exempt from going to Azkaban because they claimed that Voldemort mm. had them under the Imperius Curse. And when they use the Imperius Curse, it's because they were under the influence of an Imperius Curse. So it's like this loophole that they use, which is pretty clever. And they were able to get away with it. I think they had like a task force that they tried to get to like reveal that they were lying, but it was mm-hmm. obviously very hard to do. Right. 
But my point is that Harry got away with using the curses because once Voldemort took over the ministry in the last book, he said he allowed unforgivable curses. So technically, the ministry said it was forgivable. They were allowed to during this period because he used them, used them several times more than we thought it was okay. Hmm. So like another loophole. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. I guess in my, I'm like a, I don't know, I'm like a moral rather than legal judgment on unforgivable curses. I don't care whether they're legal. I don't think you should be using them, (laughs) but I understand. I get it. Yeah. That makes sense. Thank you for that. That was super interesting. Yeah. Well, and I'm just saying, I'm not saying you should have used them, but he can't be sent to Azkaban for it because they're not illegal. illegal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got it. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So, okay. We were talking about magical spells and do you have any other notes on spells in this chapter? No, do you? Okay, I do, I do. So <laughs> okay. I have, we'll come back to the thief's downfall because that mm-hmm. that one is, I have a couple different notes on it. Again, um, thanks to Jen who gave us some feedback about digging a little deeper. We've both been clearly going to the Harry Potter wiki, <laughs> getting a little bit more information to contextualize things, hopefully tell you things you did not know. But the one that I want to start with, the spell I want to start with is the one that's used right at the end of the chapter by Hermione called uh, Defodio which is the gouging spell. And this is the first time we've ever heard the word that conjures the spell. So I looked it up. Mm-hmm. The word is actually Latin and it means dig out. So it literally means mm-hmm. exactly what it, it's used for, which JK Rowling did that with a lot of spells. Yeah. Some kind of like tidbits of trivia about the spell. It's possible that Harry used this to carve Dobby's gravestone, which we haven't gotten to yet, but I didn't want to omit the only other time that we think that the spell might have been used. Yeah. And then other than that, this spell is not used in the books in any other way. It's never mentioned or anything, Mm -hmm. but it jumped out at me because it was a spell I had never seen before and I didn't know exactly what it meant, but it's the gouging spell. So you're talking about whenever they are on the back of the dragon and Hermione is helping the dragon to get out by using that spell. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. She's literally carving out. (laughs) Yeah. She's like helping increase the opening. And it says that, I mean, that's how it's described, but it's like, I always think it's interesting. And I know there's a whole other podcast about just the words in Harry Potter and the words and the names of things. Cause there's a lot of thought that goes into the words that she chose, but this is like a new one we'd never seen before at this point. And at the end of the books and the end of this book, we've pretty much seen everything mm-hmm. we're going to see. So I wanted to look it up and I found it was really interesting. It's literally the, the Latin word for dig out, which is what the spell does. I love that. Yeah. Good yeah. find. Thank you. Then the mm-hmm. other thing that I had was the thief's downfall. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the thief's downfall as a reminder, this is the, um, magical defense in Gringotts. It's a waterfall that they ride the cart through that reveals all of, you know, all their, all of that they've hidden. I can't think of the word exactly, like all the enchantments they've used to, to disguise themselves. So mm-hmm. a couple things that I thought were really interesting to note, it doesn't have an effect on the invisibility cloak. So it's presumed that mm-hmm. it would have an effect on a normal cloak of invisibility, but the invisibility cloak as in the Deathly Hollow is impervious to a lot of this stuff. So it doesn't have any impact on Harry being visible or not, but he's not actually wearing it as far as we know. I don't remember him wearing it at this point. So it wouldn't have had an effect and he didn't lose it. Okay. And then the other thing is some very wise Harry Potter people questioned whether Hermione's bag, which has an undetectable extension charm on it, would have been affected by the thief's downfall. And the general consensus is no, it would not have because it's an undetectable extension charm. So even something like the thief's downfall mm-hmm. would have not had an impact on that because it would presumably have burst open with all the stuff that she's been storing in this tiny little bag that fits <laughs> in her sock. Just some interesting trivia. I also thought it was really fascinating to think about 
once they leave the great the hall at Gringotts, what happens kind of above ground in the main hall? Like, surely these goblins have recognized something is very wrong. False tricks the strong. She's not supposed to be there. She has a wand. She's not supposed to have. So they call. They kind of call on the cavalry. They set off a bunch of protections to prevent them from making it to the vault, and they kind of come down to try and capture them. And I just kind of thought it was interesting to sort of step back from what's happening to our main characters and think about like, what did they just leave behind and what happens that then ends up with the wizards and goblins coming to meet them at the Lestrange vault and the dragon being there and all of that. Well, yeah. Like what happens to Travers? He's like hiding in a hole because he's under the Imperius curse. (laughs) He's hiding in a crack. Like how long is he there? I know. I did wonder about like, when does the (laughs) spell lift? Because he would be there presumably just trying to hide himself until the spell is lifted yeah. Which means he may never come out. I don't know. I did wonder <laughs> about that too. Yeah, I thought about it. I didn't feel too bad because he is a Death Eater, but. <laughs> right. Well, if you, um, you don't, if you didn't read the chapter, Travers is the one who actually, he sees Hermione or Bellatrix and he walks into Green Gods with with her and is kind of like standing there watching the whole thing. And Harry puts the Imperious Curse on him and then um, on the goblin as well. The old goblin. Yep. Yep. Some context. We're like all over with our notes today. Sorry, it's my brain. I assure you it's my brain. Uh, Anything else that jumped out at you from this chapter? Yes. So, okay. So again, with Travers, I think it's interesting how in the book and in all of the book series, how there's just always a bit of luck that helps big three make things happen. For instance, the fact that Travers walked up to help with the guards, like they, he walked past and was able to do, um, was able to have the... I forget what it's called now. Basically, the probe. The probe goes through to make sure there's not any charms on them. Had he not been there, it may not have been as easy to put the to stupefy them. So I just think it's interesting how they saw that as like a bad thing. Like, oh no, our cover's going to be blown. That it ended up making their case a little bit stronger because now Bellatrix walks in with another Death Eater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that just happens a lot. So there's just like a little bit of luck to carry the carry the plot along. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's kind of how life goes too a lot of the time. So it makes sense that yeah. things that you yeah. think might not be for your benefit when they happen it actually end up having a cascade effect to help you. Yeah, absolutely. And then some more, just some funny things I just want to point out. Uh, there's a few funny lines that I just loved. Another, some more moments of levity. Whenever Hermione turns Ron, uh, changes his appearance, she asks Harry how he looks and said, well, he's not my type, but he'll do. <laughs> and <Yep>. then... Uh, <laughs> You have, I'm sorry, what is his, what is the, the goblin's name that's helping them? It's Grin. Grip Hook. Grip Hook. Thank you. Yes. Um, he is basically harassing. He's watching the big three to make sure that they don't run off with his sword, with the gri- sword of Gryffindor. And Ron says, he could give my mother lessons. And then, <laughs> and then of course, another one from Ron as Harry is trying to figure out a plan for getting the sword away from him, away from the goblin, because uh, they have promised it to him. And Ron says, we'll just have to wing it, mate. Like, of course, of course, they're just going to wing it, which we referenced. I think it was last episode where Harry basically tells Hermione, like, when have our plans worked out anyways? Like, why are we bothering with a plan? <laughs> yeah, I think that's really interesting. That whole arrangement that they have with Grip Hook, because I don't mm-hmm. see why they couldn't have. I mean, they don't know when they're finally going to destroy the Horcruxes, but I don't see why they couldn't have agreed that in a year. In one yeah. year, we will for, we will give it to you. You know, it, it, to me, it didn't make sense to be like we're just not going to say when because if you haven't right. if you haven't finished the task in a year, you've been on the road for two years. You need some help, so then you can tell people right. and like get some more help. <laughs> you know, I have to think back to being 17, 16, 17 years mm-hmm. old and how much force 
foresight I had. <laughs> I didn't probably think that people would catch me or whatever when I was doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing. So maybe not the best thought out plan, but I just feel like Griphook would have taken Harry at his word and they could have come to an arrangement Mm -hmm. that didn't require Griphook to basically betray them in favor of getting the sword. Uh, Then again, Bill is right. I mean, it's, it's, we're going to cover it in the next chapter, but Mm -hmm. you know, the relations between goblins and wizards is very, very different than we might expect between two people of the same species. So they maybe were never yeah. going to trust each other, even if they gave each other their word with a specific timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I did find that interesting as well. And that's what I thought. But I, I think that they thought, because they said it could be years. They thought it was going to be years of them doing this. I don't believe that they they thought that the end was going to come so quickly. That it was literally within the next 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Because we're at a yeah, point exactly. right now when they leave for Gringotts, the entire rest of the book happens within 18 hours. 20 hours, right? They wake up at 6am by midnight that night, Voldemort is Mm -hmm. asking Harry to turn himself over. So by less than 24 hours, the whole thing is ended. And I think I remembered that from the movies as well, is that the break in the movies is right around Shell Cottage. And Mm -hmm. literally there's like months and months. It's like, you know, 11 months in the first movie, number number seven, part one, and then one day in the second movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That is a lot to happen. And man, that puts in perspective Harry saying he wants to go back up to his room and just go to sleep. Like, how long do you think he slept? Like, a long time. Because he was mm-hmm. already tired whenever they get on the beach off the dragon's back. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, I just wanted to go to sleep. And turns out yep. they don't get to. So he is exhausted. Like, he's yeah. died one time. He's came back. He's defeated a dark lord. <laughs> yeah, he has well earned a sandwich from Creature in his dormitory at the top <laughs> of Gryffindor Tower. It is well deserved. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Probably like 36 hours of sleep, you might guess. Okay, so that's all I had in this chapter. What do you got? Oh, man, I saw, I still have two more things. You have more? Okay, let's do it. I do, yeah. Okay, so first thing is I found it interesting, Bellatrix's vault. Just some weird stuff in there, which, you know, I would expect that, but it's still fun to see. I actually ha- just took out my note out of that. So read read the description because I want to talk about it. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. Okay, um, let's see. Mm-hmm. The door of the vault melted away to reveal a cave-like opening crammed from floor to ceiling with golden coins and goblets, silver armor, the skins of strange creatures, some with long spines, others with drooping wings, potions and jeweled flasks, and a skull still wearing a crown. What? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a super interesting description. And have you been to the Harry Potter studio tour? Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you seen the vault there that they built, like the one that they used to film in? I don't know if I remember it. I think if I saw it, I would, but... Okay, well, you've seen it at least in part because I believe it's where Helena and Dan sit during the reunion when they're having their little chat. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that room is like the most elaborate room, the most elaborate set, and it's the hardest place to find the golden snitch in the entire tour because there's like a scavenger hunt of golden snitches, and because that room Mm -hmm. is all gold and silver... It is the hardest place to find the snitch. <laughs> and I, I, rem- I mean, we probably stood there for 40 minutes and we were not the only ones when we were there because people just, it's like the last one they can't find. It's a fascinating, beautiful, beautiful room and has okay. this, it's like an eye spy, never ending things to see. And it exact, exactly matches this description. I have some photos of it. I just like, I like looking at my photos of these things when we're, when I'm reading and doing my research because I can see like, wow, they really did create that to look exactly like what she described. Mm. Yeah, and I'll have to try, I'll have to look at it and see if I remember. Uh, whenever we went to London, my friend, my friend and I, Jen, actually, 
we, it was our first day there. And so we just like, Oh, we'll go, we'll do that. And we were so exhausted. Like we, <laughs> we should not have done the Harry Potter tour then. So we didn't get to, we still loved it, obviously being Harry Potter nerds, but we didn't quite enjoy it fully because we were exhausted from travel. Um, yes, it is a full day thing. It is not the thing to do on the day you're jet lagged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done it twice. I did it way back in 2012, just shortly after it had opened. And then I did it when I was most recently in London in 2019, which is the longest it's been since I've been to London. Still sad about that. Anyway, it's totally different. There's so much more. It's an entire experience. People are always like, I'll just go do a half day. And I'm like, nope, you're going to want a full day. Give yourself the day. Enjoy it. And you're going to be very foot sore. And you're going to have the best butter beer in the world. Because that's where the best one is. That's true. Yeah, I didn't really care for the one in Orlando. It was very, very sweet. Yeah, I think the only one I haven't had is the, well, I've heard that there's more types that are off menu at the Universal Studios tours. I've had the... The, the cold and the frozen, like the iced and frozen. Mm-hmm. And my favorite is frozen because it's just like a Slurpee mm-hmm. if I'm in the U.S. But if you give me a choice, I'll go straight to the U.K. and get the one they have over there or make my own at home, which I like to do too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you actually have the recipe I for do. that and you follow the butterflies, right? Yep. I, I tested cool. a bunch of different recipes and came up with the one <laughs> that I thought was the best. So yeah, I have my favorite recipe. Love that. <laughs> cool. Okay, so that was uh, one thing you had. Yes. Uh, the last thing, I just thought it was kind of sweet. You know, you have Hermione who cares for the elves and she does have a soft heart for maybe the the one people who aren't seen or who are mistreated. But it was actually Harry who thought of the dragon because he's the one who sees the dragon, sees him. You know what I mean? He obviously has a soft heart for the dragon and he has a soft heart for or a big heart for prisoners. Think of the snake and the Philosopher's Stone, um, Dobby, and now the dragon. Like he always wants to set free these these prisoners who are prisoners nothing that they really did wrong mm-hmm. and I just love that it was Harry that thought of the dragon not only as a way to probably alleviate his conscience because who wants to see a dragon chained up and sad like that but also like hey it's a great way to get out yeah I will admit when I read that section I thought a lot of people who do like elephant training and I got mm-hmm. really mad inside about people who mm-hmm. do that to animals like they teach them to be afraid to control them and I just I got really upset that that's not just a problem in the wizarding world that muggles do it too. And we should not be doing that to these amazing creatures that we get to share the world with. But that's me off my soapbox. Yeah, no, same. Yeah, I hear you. It makes me very sad. I mean, same with whales. They don't necessarily use things to make them scared, but Mm -hmm. they are also mistreated. So, okay. Cool. Let's step back in time to chapter 25. The Shell Cottage. This chapter sets the scene in Shell Cottage with Bill, Floor, Ron, Hermione, Harry, Luna, Dean, Mr. Ollivander, and Grinhook. We have a lot of people in this chapter and in this scene. So we have the big three in Grinhook who are planning to break into Gringotts to steal the Hufflepuff cup. You see a few scenes of what life is like at the cottage, and it ends with Lupin coming to announce that Tonks has given birth to a boy. Okay, here we go. And the last sentence is, He seemed set on a course to become just as reckless a godfather to Teddy Lupin as Sirius Black had been to him. Mm. Okay, but we'll we'll come back to Teddy because that's at the end okay. of the chapter. I want to start by talking about the illustration at the beginning of this chapter and the, the versions that we're going through, which are the Marie Grand Prix mm-hmm. versions. So this oh. is the hardback versions. It's chapter 25, page 502 for me. And it's this beautiful picture of Harry with the cottage in the background looking out over the sea. And I think that that so adequately captures the beginning of this chapter and how it feels. But I had never really looked at that illustration after we talked about that a couple episodes ago, how now you're kind of noticing them more because we're marking chapters in a different way. Mm -hmm. I looked at this one and I was just like, that is 
beautiful and forlorn and makes me want to go to the English countryside and sit on the coast and watch the sea. And mm-hmm. it's just a, a gorgeous little illustration that might easily be missed. Mm-hmm. And I, I did love the description that you got from Harry sitting outside by himself. I think we can kind of all see ourselves in Harry or sometimes you just want to be alone. And the sea is just a beautiful place to sit and, you know, just talk to yourself. Yeah. And let time pass and just kind of relax. So uh, yeah, that was absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yes. So uh, what did you notice? Let's start with you this time. So the first thing that I noticed was on, for me, it's page 504 when they're talking about Dumbledore and being a ghost. Mm-hmm. I thought there was some interesting, it's very brief, and it's probably something that most people haven't thought a lot about, but Harry says he would have gone on, which is interesting because mm-hmm. that's pretty much the same language that Dumbledore uses when they're on King's Cross. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can take a train and you can go, you can leave if you, if you wanted to pass on to whatever is next. I think it's interesting that I did some research into ghosts and, you know, why wizards or witches might choose to come back as a ghost. And it generally seems that they had unfinished business, which we know Dumbledore actually doesn't. He has tied Mm -hmm. all of his affairs up. He really wants to be reunited with his family if there is such a beyond to go to. And Mm -hmm. I, this is, we're going to drop my favorite Dumbledore-ism. Finally, it is not in this book. It is in Sorcerer's Stone, but it is my favorite, favorite line of Dumbledore's. It is when he and Harry are discussing Nicholas Flamel. And he says, to the Mm -hmm. well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. And so I think of Dumbledore and Harry's right because he's actually literally had this conversation with Dumbledore six years earlier. Dumbledore would not have feared death. He would not have wanted to stay. He would have wanted to go. He prepared his affairs. We know that's the case from the prince's tale. And so it's just a little something that Mm -hmm. seems like a small kind of throwaway thing. Like, sure, of course, Dumbledore is not a ghost. We would have seen him by now, but it's also kind of got more weight to it than it seems. Right, which is, we talked about it, uh, I believe, one of the first episodes where we wondered if uh, Fred would stay back and he wouldn't because, you know, I I think he would have chose to go on even how fun it would have been Mm -hmm. to stay. Yeah, he didn't have necessarily that unfinished business, but also would have been curious to know what's next, you know, what comes after, what what hijinks are there to get up to and whatever is after. Yeah, so speaking of Dumbledore, I love how there was tension created by J.K. Rowling because throughout the whole series, I still hoped when I read it the first time that Dumbledore was still alive. Like I kept thinking he was going to come back. Whenever you saw the eye, you saw all the things like I really was like, okay, Dumbledore is definitely going to come back. Um, And perhaps that's because of uh, Lord of the Rings. Whenever, you know, the great wizard does come back. Sorry, I I read all the books, but it was so long ago. I'm not going to quote it. Well, while I had COVID, we watched all three. So I can tell you his name is Gandalf. I'd seen them many, many, many times, many times before, but it's Gandalf. Oh my God, that's funny. My dog, my uh, friend's dog is named Gandalf for that reason. There you I can't go. believe it. Flip my mind. <laughs> <laughs> horrible, horrible fan. Um, anyways, I, I love that tension that she created where, you know, you have Ron being like, no, I think he's alive. And, you know, they're like, I don't know. I don't think so. But you have all these clues that makes you think it. You know, you have a- the eye, which is actually Aberforce. You have the doe, which was Snape. And then, of course, Dobby, which was sent again by Apple Yeah. Apple. So. It's actually really interesting. I don't think that I ever thought Dumbledore was still alive. I don't, I don't know that I knew what would explain the eye. I don't know that I, I don't know that I worried about that Mm -hmm. because obviously we knew Sirius couldn't use the mirror. He didn't have it when he went through the veil. So he, he couldn't communicate. I don't know. I guess I'd never thought about it. It it didn't, to me, it seemed more like hope, hopeful, hopeful wishing, you know, not, not really based in any Mm -hmm. sense of reality, which I don't know if this is fair to say, but I think Ron does more than Harry or Hermione. He's a little bit more prone to hoping things will turn out certain ways than 
Harry and Hermione are more yeah. practical. Yeah. Interesting that you mm-hmm. thought that Dumbledore might still be alive. And it was never a question for me. Interesting. Yeah. I'd be curious to know what everyone yeah, else thought. Yeah, when you if you can harken back to when you first read Deathly Hollows, did you think Dumbledore mm-hmm. might still be alive? How did or how did you explain the eye? What did you think was the the explanation? If if you didn't think it was Dumbledore, what did you think? Good one. Good one. I like that a lot. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about, because I literally, like I said, I literally just watched Lord of the Rings, um, is I kind of got into goblins and the sword of Gryffindor and goblin politics and all of this. So Mm -hmm. the very first thing I think is interesting, and I'm going to kind of jump around a couple of sections in this chapter. So Grimbook says, wizarding arrogance again, the sword was Ragnuk the Mm first taken from him by Godric Gryffindor. It is a lost treasure, a masterpiece of goblin work. It belongs to the goblins. Okay. So that's the first piece I want to look at. And then... When they're chatting with, when Harry's chatting with Bill toward the end of the chapter, Bill says to a goblin, the rightful and true master of any object is the maker, not the purchaser. All goblin made objects are in goblin eyes, rightfully theirs. So I did a bit of research onto this, into the sort of Gryffindor, went to the Harry Potter wiki, which we're going to assume is pretty much accurate. And the reality is, according to the wiki, the sword was made for Gryffindor by Ragnar the first. Okay. So Technically, okay. Godric Gryffindor paid Ragnuk the first for the sword. So from a wizard standpoint, okay. Godric Gryffindor owns the sword because he paid for it. And from the goblin standpoint, mm-hmm. Godric Gryffindor kept the sword when he should have given it back when he died. Okay, that's kind of the, the main thing. Right. And then I looked a little bit more into goblin beliefs, policies, whatever. And generally, the interesting thing to take away is that goblins' ideas of payment and repayment are not the same as humans. And we actually know this is true. Because if you'll think back to Goblet of Fire, when Ludo Bagman gets in trouble for gambling and can't pay his debts, those goblins hunt him mm-hmm. the entire book, right? He makes a makes a bet, mm-hmm. he loses at the Quidditch World Cup, and the goblins do not let him off the hook. So goblins are, this is kind of one of their sticking points as a, as a species in their interactions with wizards. And we actually already have evidence of that yeah. from Goblet of Fire. Wow. Yeah, something I've not... That's yeah, I've not picked up on that at all, but I just took it as a little opportunity to do some like history and digging into the, the sort of Gryffindor. And there it is. It was technically paid for, but it was also kept. So mm-hmm. it just depends on which side you stand on as to whether or not you think it is Gryffindor sword or it should be a goblin sword. Well, and I think that was something that the books does often is it, it kind of, you see Harry growing up and then you learn too, there are gray areas. Not everything is as it seems. Harry is obviously very upset at the thought that you know, he's very proud to be a Gryffindor and the fact that he could have, at first he thinks it was stolen. He doesn't understand that stolen means something maybe a little bit different to the goblins compared to mm-hmm. wizards. I mean, it's the same same idea, but he technically did pay for it, which a wizard would think, well, it's ours now. And you kind of learn there are gray areas in life and they are both mm-hmm. true because in the wizard point of view, they didn't steal it. But in the goblins point of view, 100% mm-hmm. And it's super interesting because there's a conversation that between Harry and Hermione about that, where she's like, well, does it make a difference? And he's like, yeah, it changes how I feel about it, which if it's yeah. just because it's in your head, doesn't mean it's not real, right? Like there's validity in the way you feel about things, the way you think about things. So yeah. very, yeah, very interesting sort of chance to step into another species within this world. Oh, and I wanted to put a bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. This, this is not something that is established in the books in any way, but I saw it on the wiki and I thought people would find it interesting that there is actually a character who is part goblin. Can you guess who it is? It's Professor Flitwick. Oh my God. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know any more than that. It's all that's it's just literally like one line in the Harry Potter wiki, but they say that he's part goblin, which explains why he's so short. And that's all I know. Okay. I love that. That makes complete sense, obviously. Right. But I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I feel like there was a good opportunity to talk about that maybe in Goblet of Fire when Hagrid's going through being a Half-Blood. But I guess it's not something anybody wants to broadcast. So makes sense that he doesn't. Yeah, that is interesting. The different, the different species and like the almost the shame that comes from being different, which is such a bummer, right? But you see it even in the wizarding world where, you know, wizards think they're better than obviously house elves and goblins and giants. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, it's really interesting. And it's it's not really something she dives deep into with all else that's going on in the universe. But yeah, definitely interesting. Yeah. And also interesting that these kinds of different magical creatures can reproduce since in the muggle world, cross species stuff doesn't work. But hey, I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so... Did you have anything else in this chapter? Yeah, so I have two things again. The first thing was, I loved how she brought back, um, so Bill liked his meat bloody because of the fact that he was scratched by a werewolf. So apparently his wounds were cursed, but he wasn't turned into a werewolf because whenever he was scratched, they weren't in werewolf form. Mm -hmm. So because they weren't fully in form, just his scratches are part werewolf, which is... Yeah, I'm pretty sure Lupin says that in... What would that be? What book is that? That's Half-Blood Prince. It's at the end of Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, I pre- I'm pretty sure Lupin says something like, you may notice a few small changes, but it, he shouldn't become a werewolf because it, he, he wasn't attacked at the full moon. Yeah, that's, it is funny that that's how that came out. Like, no big deal. He just likes some bloody meat. <laughs> no need to cook I'm it I'm pretty now. sure that the that Fleur says at one point, that's okay because the, the English overcooked their meat anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love her. Yeah. Okay, and what's the last thing you have? Sure. Well, I mean, come on, Luna. We have tons of Luna in this chapter that I just obviously I loved. Uh, So the first thing, so it's on page 511. And it's Luna talking to Dean. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely noticed the section and thought of you. (laughs) Yeah. In tiny little ears, Luna was saying, a bit like a hippo's. Daddy says, only purple and hairy. And if you want to call them, you have to hum. They prefer a waltz, nothing too fast. Looking uncomfortable, Dean shrugged at Harry as he passed. So two things about that I found interesting is a lot of people ship Dean and Luna, which Hmm. this shows there was nothing there. Mm -mm. Like they were not, there was no, there was nothing going on between them. I mean, he looked uncomfortable and was like, "Uh, I'm not vibing with this, this girl. She's a little weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Yeah. And then page 512, she is so sure of herself. She actually goes against Hermione, which you wouldn't, I feel like anybody who would, Hermione be like, actually, that's not true. Most people would be like, okay, it's Hermione. She knows. Or Luna's like, mm, no, my dad told me in a letter that this is true. And I know it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I'm really excited to get to that part of this book when they go to Xenophilius Lovegood's house, because there's so much mm-hmm. in that happens in that section too. But yeah, it, Luna is yep. Luna to the end through and through consistent, yeah. never wavers in her unusual way of approaching the world. <laughs> right. Uh, And then we get another Easter egg, which I am excited about seeing these Easter eggs. So Luna mentioned the Ravenclaw diadem because she's talking about how her dad uh, was creating a, um, let's see, where is it? It's on page 513 is what I wrote down. Oh, right. Daddy's made a tiara, piped up Luna. Well, more of a crown, really. The ludicrous headdress that they had seen Mm -hmm. on their visit. Um, yes, he's trying to recreate the lost diadem of Ravenclaw. He thinks it's identified. He's identified most of the main elements now. Adding Bullywig's wings really made a difference. Sorry, like Luna. Just a little, little Easter egg. <laughs> that got destroyed. I'm really sorry. That does not exist anymore. <laughs> that, because you had an rumpet horn in your house, that does not exist anymore. There's me turning into Hermione. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also, as a sidebar, I really like that they had the Arumpant horn in Deathly Hollows, and then we actually get to see the Arumpant in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's kind of a fun little connection between the two, which I'm not the hugest fan of those movies because they're very different mm-hmm. to me. They're very different in a different world than Harry Potter, but I do like that there are crossover threads between them and consistency throughout. Yeah. Yeah, same. Actually, I have one more thing, but I want to know if you caught anything else before I say my last Nope, one. that's all I had. You're finishing this out. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Well, the last thing, and it's actually the last bit of the chapter, is where Lupin makes Harry Godfather. And I just thought that was that was kind of beautiful. And I think it showed, of course, right before you know she kills off Lupin and talks like how much Harry did mean to them and how much they meant to Harry that they wanted to make their brand new baby, you know, to be a godson to Harry. And then it it gives me more conclusion on why Lupin um, was one of those among Harry as he walked to his death. Lupin literally was the last bit of Harry's family. Um, although the Weasleys are family, I feel like they're family in a different way where they didn't really know his parents and feel protective of him in that way. They obviously feel protective of him. It's just not quite the same. And so you get to see that last thread of his family. It's kind of nice and sad all at the same time. Yeah, and actually, it's pretty interesting how important godparents are in the wizarding world. Because in Prisoner Mm -hmm. of Azkaban, when Harry overhears Professor McGonagall and the other professors talking about how Sirius Black is his godfather, it's like, it seems to me like way more important than um, maybe it is in the muggle world. But I I guess I don't mean that to denigrate religion. Mm -hmm. I think like, it's probably very equivalent where... If you're a religious person and you choose godparents for your child, the idea is the godparents are also shepherds of your child in their religious faith. And in this case, it's like if you choose godparents, you're choosing them to be shepherds of their wizarding ability and to look out for them and teach them Mm -hmm. in the ways of being a wizard or witch. And so it's obviously important if your godparent turns out to be a mass murderer, that's like not a good indication of the when you have no other, your parents are dead. Now you've got a mass murder for a godfather. Like yeah. you don't have anyone to help you. You're going to be on your own, which is what Harry is. It just, it's kind of an interesting bit of uh, the magical world that is p- put in there that not everyone deals with in their ordinary lives, but is obviously very important to the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also interesting that I feel like in the mobile world, often depending on who you are, a godparent can also mean who you will live with if your parents were mm-hmm. to pass where obviously that's not necessarily what it means because Teddy didn't end up living with Harry Potter. Although he was there a lot, he lived with his grandmother. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I just pulled up the Harry Potter wiki to see if we had any more information. That's really a pretty barren page. Yeah, it's just a thing in the the wizarding world and it doesn't necessarily mean the same things it does in the magical world, but it's obviously obviously important to everyone. I wonder if Teddy lives with his grandmother because he still has a grandmother, right? Whereas Probably. Harry didn't yeah. have any parents. I don't know. Just interesting. Good mm-hmm. good observation. Mm-hmm. I like that they drink a bunch of wine. I think they deserve some wine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. So I think that wraps it up for today, right? We covered everything yeah. you have, covered everything yeah. I have. Want to thank everyone for listening, mm-hmm. tuning in. Really appreciate you taking the time yes. to join us. We would love to hear from you if you have anything you've noticed while reading the books backwards, anything we got incorrect, anything you really enjoyed that we said. We want to hear from you. So you can reach us at follow the butterflies nope at podcast at follow the butterflies.com or you can find us on instagram twitter tiktok and it is bell jar pod um, please feel free to follow us and reach out to us uh, we also love it whenever you go to your podcast player subscribe please you know every time we come out with an episode and give us a review five stars yeah and then you know 
tell us what you like about the podcast or what you would like us to improve on. We are happy to hear about that. Obviously, we listened to Jen. And yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. So I think it was a very good suggestion. Yes. And before we wrap everything up, I do want to give a shout out to Ricky Tiki, Mm. who left us a review on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate it. Okay. This is always fun to see the reviews. We are getting reviews. We're a little podcast. We really appreciate when people leave them for us. So thanks, Ricky. Uh, If you are listening and you have not yet left us a rating or review, please, 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 please go over to your Apple Podcasts. Even if you're listening on another app, if you have an Apple device and you go leave us a review, it is super important to help us do well in ratings and charts and things. And uh, I think that covers it. So we will see you next week. Yeah. See you next time.